unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, misfits for life of the Kick-Ass Nation? Hi, it is I, Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, back here again for Tuesday night at 7 o'clock for the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, me, Mr. Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Woohoo! Can't get a hell yeah for that. Nobody's here yet? What the hell? Come on, guys. It's it's not even seven. It's seven oh one. Where the hell are my people? Where are my people? Where are you people? Um, so anyways, yes, we are here again for another Tuesday edition of the Raw and Unscripted Show. And I'm proud to be here uh, tonight in front of you live and in person, bringing you the education, the motivation, the inspiration, everything that you possibly might need to walk away with a different perspective about your future and a different thought pattern about your past and your current situation right now. That's what we do here. We reshape your perspectives to make it work for you, not against you. That's what I'm all about. I'm not about the stuff that's going to wind up taking you seven years to figure out and then kind of go out of it like some, some kind of therapy or psychology going on but um so anyways uh appreciate you guys being here live or on the replay of course i know you guys catch a lot of this on the replay so thank you so much for doing that and as always even if you're watching this on the replay via youtube or through facebook um as always please engage with your comments even if we're not live because me and myself and my guests will go back there and uh, engage in any questions that you might have had that we didn't get a chance to answer while we were live so that's what this is this is a community where we have um you guys interact with us this is a conversation me and my guest at a bar or a coffee shop having some drinks talking about what is going on in life and how we as individuals are making a difference in the world around us. So that's what this conversation about is about. That's what this show is about. And uh, we've got Robert Brooker in the house. What's up, Robert? Good evening, Tuesday. What's happening? Kick-ass Larry's in the house. What's up? Rockstar Live. Holy smokes, Ray's in the house. Misfits. Yes, misfits for life. What's up, Ray? Dude, I'm so proud of you, dude. I can see what you're doing. I can see what you're doing. I can see what you're doing. And I love it. I love it. You're rocking, dude. Thank you for being here. It's been a minute. Um, so yeah, anyway, so we have a, we have a, I've, I've had the pleasure and I'm gonna talk about this for just a second. You guys have heard me, you know, spill my guts about this, the clubhouse app. Wow. 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 You guys know over the course of the last year, the 12 months that we've been going through COVID, uh, going through, uh, you know, the George Floyd killings, going through everything that we've had to go through the political shit that's been happening, all the divisiveness in America, you know, that every day I'm always bringing you guys the, com the, the confidence building stuff that will get you out of the current situation and into the new search situation. And through clubhouse, my faith in humanity has been restored because, you know, it has been a time unlike any other in my life, especially here with social media to be able to connect immediately with people you would never connect with before. Um, across the globe, I was doing it before on the WhatsApp group. That was all texting and stuff like that. But this is actually people to people conversation over uh, its voice. It's just our voice. It's, we're not seeing each other. Uh, but the connections that I made in the last three and a half weeks, month has been absolutely just uh, 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 mind blowing. I know I've told you guys about this. Uh, we just had Forbes Riley on my show, my unfiltered show on Friday uh, with Scott. We had that. Um, we've just so amazed. We had Jimmy Dennis a couple of weeks ago who had spent three years or 25 plus years on death row. We've been blessed to have him. So I have met so many different people through this app. And tonight I get to uh, introduce you guys to somebody that I've recently been, become in contact with. And here's the beautiful thing about clubhouse and the beautiful thing about life really, because this is a microcosm of life. And we're going to probably talk about this is the fact you find your tribe. You know, I'm different. You guys love me because I'm different, um, because I speak differently. I shoot stuff straight from the hip. I'm stupid. Sometimes I, I go off in tangents, whatever it might be. You guys are my tribe. You guys are my misfits for life. Uh, and that's what we call ourselves. Um, but when you get in there, I'm finding so many people are just like me. They swear they're passionate. You know, they're not driven by money and ego and all this other stuff. And how much sales did I get today? They're in these rooms, pouring into people, using their brilliance, using their intelligence, using their stories to help other people who are just crying right now for any positivity, any source of opportunity to build themselves up. And I'm pleased to have with me tonight, the CEO and the publisher of Los Angeles Tribune. Now a good friend of mine, we've had an opportunity to share clubhouse rooms together. I was on a show last night. Please Please welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show, Mr. Mo Rocks. Mr. Mo, what's going on, brother? How are you doing? How's it going, Christopher? Good to see you. Thank you for having me on your show. And you're absolutely right. I really think that, um, you know, this 
this new app that you talked about is definitely something that's been life changing. Um, and, and, you know, I think right now, part of the reason why it's so effective, Christopher, is that because the world is really yearning for leadership. And especially with everything that we have collectively gone through as a global community the last year, we need a new kind of leadership. And I think that Clubhouse is one tool uh, that a lot of people have been using to spread that message around. I know it's been very effective for you to spread that message, for me to spread my message. And I'm really excited uh, that you and I get to share some some time together with our faces actually showing th this time instead of just a little icon. So it's really a thrill for me to be on your platform. And thank you for the vote of confidence. No, no, no problem, dude. No problem. I, I, I've, uh, I've looked forward to this conversation as well as our other conversations big time because um, I love how you stand out in, in your presence, in your business life, in your social media. You're not afraid of people to say, who are you and why are you doing that? You're your own person. And that's what I was alluding to in the beginning intro is the fact that when we, when we just gravitate towards one another, nobody's asked me, who did you vote for? Nobody's asked me, what's my stance on abortion? You know, everybody's just been like, Hey, you're cool. I connect with you. Okay. Hey, how can we help this person? Can we do, you know, a collaboration on something? It's just been super beautiful. So thank you for being here. And I just want to acknowledge, uh, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, Robert says, I have never heard of Mr. Mo Rock. Why don't you just uh, give people a little taste of who Mo Rock is, brother, and uh, then we'll get underway. Well, I think he says, I have heard of Mo, Mo Rock, but oh, nonetheless, yeah. if you oh. haven't heard, um, of course, Christopher oh. uh, mentioned that I am the publisher of the LA Tribune and I'm the author of the book Lead by Example, which really, Christopher, my work uh, that I'm really passionate about is introducing a holistic approach to leadership. That's really what my purpose is here. Um, is to uh, spread that message that to lead in life and to lead in business, it doesn't always have to just be about the PL sheet. Um, it doesn't always have to just be about the next marketing funnel. Um, it doesn't always have to be about the next tactic. And those things are good. And there's a time and place for all those things. But my message really is to have a holistic approach. Uh, and, and my job here is to introduce a new way that we define wealth, right? Because mm -hmm. if you actually look at the origin of the word wealth, it doesn't mean having, you know, 55 million bucks in your checking account. It, it actually means well-being. And so that's really what I'm here to do primarily, Christopher, whether it's uh, in business, in life, or with my books and the different projects that I have going on as far as creativity goes. That's really my message is to have a holistic approach to life, a, a, a leadership approach that focuses on gratitude, that focuses mm. on giving that focuses on creating win-win scenarios uh, as opposed to just, you know, 100% market centric. And so that's really what I'm passionate about discussing and talking and uh, encouraging others to share that, that perspective with. Mm, awesome. We'll definitely, we're definitely going to dive into that. My coach uh, is passionate, super passionate about servant leadership and basically inverting the, 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 the triangle, you know, to make sure that the employees are on top and it's not the CEO that's on top. So we're definitely going to dive into that. But one thing we were talking about before we went on camera and, and somewhat that I alerted, alluded to into the, in, the intro is the fact that, you know, COVID-19, something that has been uh, on our minds and on our plates since March of last year. And uh, I don't know about you. I know that a lot of us thought that it was going to be, oh, it's going to be over in a couple of weeks. It's going to be over in a couple of months. It's going to be over by the summertime. It's going to be over by fall. It's going to be over by Christmas. Now it's going to be over by this. Um, I've had the I've had the opportunity to talk to so many people during this time, both on my show and in my coaching. Um, what are some of your perspectives that you've seen during this time? Obviously, um, you've got a lot of different connections in the world. What have you seen overall in the way humanity is, is, is changing and transforming in both a personal side and a business side? Well, I never said that it would go away in a few short months, even in the very beginning. Um, in fact, I was talking about my friends and people that I work with know that I was talking about this in February before it really even hit um, this particular part of the world the way that it ended up doing in March and April. Um, and I would say that, look, if you look back at our history, 9-11 happened in one day. It was finished in the following day. September 12, 2001, the tragedy was over, but that still changed the trajectory of our country. It still changed the trajectory of the world. And so the same is going to be true for COVID-19. I don't see this as something that is going to cease to exist when the virus uh, ceases to be, you know, a, a number one threat to our species, even if, if and when, not if, but when there's a herd immunity internationally. The changes and the impact is, of course, something that will uh, will stay, right? I, I think that what happened in the last year was 
we as a collective species experienced about 15, 10 to 15 years of advancement as far as adapting our lifestyle to technology. And it was squeezed in one year uh, out of necessity. And so I think that a lot of the things that we see today, hybrid events, people working from home, people relying more on um, you know, apps for their food, for their delivery in a way that we've never seen. This was actually inevitable. We were going to go to this space anyways, but the speed in which we've had to adapt to it is sort of, uh, you know, it's been like a quantum leap. And so I think that, you know, th this past year has, has shown us as a, as a species, as a community internationally, that we really need a new kind of leadership as well. Because on one hand, yes, we advanced in many ways, but on one hand, we realized just how far apart we are. Because I don't know, you know, it, it's funny. It seems just like yesterday, Christopher, that people were stomping on each other's neck for some toilet paper <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of making sure that everyone in their community was safe and sound instead of making sure that, you know, people are fostering that sense of community. I mean, it, it really was an unfortunate uh, thing to witness that a percentage of our population just went into full fight or flight mode as opposed to staying cool calm, level-headed, and figure out what are the steps that we can do um, as a community to get through this together. And so I think that right now is a good time for real, authentic leaders to step up, stand up, use platforms like this to put that message out there. Um, I mean, on one hand, though, I will say that the past year has done a good job of, of bringing to light things that we need to focus on um, financially, mentally, relationally, spiritually, physically. And consequently, Christopher, I'm just excited to talk to you about ways that we can inspire others to not only redefine wealth, but also redefine leadership. Bam, bam, bam. That's what I love. That's what I love. So let's 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 dig into that for a minute. So you brought up wealth before. Um, what what is what has had what is one of the biggest perceptions that people have had to change during COVID? Is it been about wealth? Has it been about identity? Has it been about fear? Has it been about uncertainty? What do you think? Or because I'm always big into perspectives and perceptions. What do you think are some of the biggest shifts that people are experiencing? Well, here here's what my hope is that my hope is that people realize after this year that we need to not count on others to live our lives. We need to not count on the government. We need to not count our, on our employers. If you're working for somebody, we need to not count on something external that's going to take care of us. Um, I, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote my favorite essay of all time called Self-Reliance. And so I think that this year uh, for a lot of people was a rude awakening. Like, wow, I really can't rely on others to take care of me. And I think that in some respects for people, that's been painful because they've been living in this illusion their whole life. And, and in many ways, kind of the matrix has been broken this past year. And so uh, from that perspective, it's good in the sense that people are awakening. But I encourage people to really focus on self-reliance and, and being at cause of their life and not just hoping that the next stimulus check is going to come or just hoping that, you know, there's a new bill that you know that's going to be passed that's going to take care of them but actually being at the cause of their lives going out there whether you're an entrepreneur or not i encourage people to at least think like an entrepreneur you know being an entrepreneur is not for everybody and that's okay but even if you're not an entrepreneur you can think like one you can think with that self reliance you can think with that grit you can think with that resiliency and even if you're working for someone else having that mindset is going to substantially change your life mentally physically, relationally, spiritually, and financially. Because at the end of the day, you're counting on you and you're counting on your own ability to mold, craft, shift, and shape your own life and your own destiny. And I think that this past year has proven many things, one of which is we need to focus on being self-reliant. Mm. No, I love that. I love that answer. And it, it, it brings to me the fact that my is unstoppableness. It's like, you know, just Chris, uh, people say, Chris, how do you do? How do you stay unstoppable? Well, like you just never stop. You keep going, you keep figuring it out. You keep getting resourceful. Marie Forleo has a great book called everything is figure outable. It's the audio is great because she swears and she talks and she's just normal, but she just talks about every situation in her life that could have been negative or perceived as, you know, something that, well, that's a showstopper. She's like, I learned how to pivot. I learned how to figure it out. I learned how to get resourceful. Mo, when I think about, you know, the people that have been through this, the last 12, 18 months that of just in general of life, um, I see 
three different categories, but the two I'm going to talk about the most are the victims and the victors. And I have seen people that went into this who were victims and realized they had to get the hustle on and become victorious through this, becoming resourceful and finding their true grit, finding their best. And I've seen people who were uh, really good now become victims. Um, what do you say to the people who are struggling in that mindset who just, you know, cause I talked to somebody today, I was like, you are more capable. You have more opportunity. You have more stamina, more power, more everything than you even think about, um, to try to get through to them. But how do you get through to people who are in that victim mindset who just don't want to take that responsibility to be, be self-reliant? Well, that's a challenge, but it's a challenge that leaders must overcome. And, and, you know, as a leader, it's part of our job to help guide. We can't change uh, the way that people look at life, but we can lead by example and we can we can encourage them and we can be there for people to try to, you know, enhance their consciousness, enhance their awareness. And at the end of the day, Christopher, if somebody feels like a victim because of COVID-19, my suspicion is that even without COVID-19, there would have been something else that they would have felt like a victim about. Perhaps not to the extent, because this is a very easy uh, situation to take advantage of if you're somebody that's always in a victim mindset. But if you look at the, and, and by the way, not everybody, because there's, and I'm not minimizing the things that people have gone through, but what I am saying is that the mindset doesn't lie, right? When COVID-19 happened, I know a lot of people that immediately got into their, um, got into their creativity got into their adapting mindset and embraced the challenge in many respects. I know people, Christopher, that have 3X'd, 4X'd their business this past year. Mm -hmm. And so I look at them and the only real difference between them and people that have just not been able to adapt, people that have been breaking down, people that have been just in pain is the mindset. It's not about intelligence. It's not about opportunity. It's not about, you know, one person has a 200 IQ, one person has a hundred IQ. No, it's the mindset. And it's about assuming formlessness. You see, Christopher, a lot of people, sadly, they get used to being a one trick pony. Maybe you made a couple of dollars as a business owner and you just want to rinse and repeat what worked for you. And then when something happens and that goes away, now you don't know what the hell to do. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, Christopher, you can't be a one trick pony. The market is going to destroy you with or without COVID-19, because we're now in a place where we are effectively in globalism. Whether you deny it or whether you know uh, you accept it or deny it, the market doesn't lie. Just go on amazon.com. Most of the stuff is shipping from all around, all around the world. Go to your local Walmart. You know, And now with people having this new hybrid system at play, you know, the, there's a whole host and a whole myriad of countries where people are now virtual assistants, so I know friends that are business owners that are no longer looking to hire somebody here for 70, 80 K a year. Instead, they'll pay a grand a month and get someone from the Philippines to do the exact same job. Mm -hmm. And so this is a, this is not going to stop because we don't like it, right? This is the inevitable direction that we're going as a world. And so with this hyper competitive situation, we need to really understand that the only way to survive and thrive, whether you're a business owner, whether you're working for anyone, that does not matter is to assume formlessness. You've got to focus on being fluid, on adapting, on being able to change how you go about things at any given moment. Don't be a one trick pony because if you are a one trick pony and I see them all the time, you guys are basically going to choose to be like dinosaurs where you're going to go extinct and it's going to be very painful. You know, because you're going to think back at the good times 5, 10, 15 years ago when you were making a good salary, when you were making good money doing this, and that position is no longer here, and you did not grow, you did not assume formlessness, you did not mm -hmm. get used to adapting, and now you're getting lost in the sauce. And the people that have traditionally assumed formlessness are the ones that are going to take over this new world, this new market, this new world order of business that we see around the globe. And so assuming formlessness, adapting, and consistently educating yourself and learning on the new methods, the new technologies, the new trends of, of the world are really the answer and solution to surviving and to thriving. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I love that. I love that the, you talk about how the, the world is changing 
in terms of technology and the fact that we can either get on the train or be left behind. And I think that's what some people are really realizing. And actually I've had a couple of my mentors um, over the last week talk to me about, because they know sometimes I pontificate and think about the future, like what if, what if, what if, and that used to be one of my former identities that I would do that. Like I got to figure out what plan A, B, and C is, but now that I'm in that fluidity, now that I'm in that, that free fall of a jump in just enjoying what I do and my coaching and my shows and everything else that I've got going on. Um, there's that, there's that freedom where I don't necessarily have to worry about what it is because I know whatever it is, I'm going to be on the forefront to adapt to that. And I, I owe that to the fact of my, my experience and my upbringing that nothing was ever stable. I was always constantly having to pivot and grow and learn and tweak. Okay. What do I need to learn next to get this? So I have that, I have that adaptability to be able to do that. I see people that are struggling with that right now. Um, what is what, just a couple of things they can get started with Mo, then I have another interesting question for you, but just a couple of things they can get started in their mindset to develop that entrepreneur mindset, like you were saying, or just something just to be able to, a daily ritual, something to get them out of the rut that they've been in. Well, you know, a lot of times when people get to that point, we talked about this last night, Christopher, the first thing is fear. Yep. Right. And so um, a lot of times what we see when we really uncover the layers is that there there is a self-esteem element to this, where if somebody, especially somebody, Christopher, that might be in their 40s or 50s or even 60s, it's tough to reinvent yourself if you're 30, let alone if you're 50 or 60. And so my heart goes out to those people because I know that they're in a position where maybe they've done some of the same thing for 15, 20 years. Maybe they're in corporate America and suddenly their position is eliminated and terminated. And so they just are in a place where they have a real shell shock approach to life, where they really feel like they've been just completely shell shocked. And uh, sadly, there's a lot of people, millions of people in this country that have gone through that shell shock this past year. And I hate to be the burden of bad news, but I'm not going to uh, water down the truth. It's only going to get worse before it gets better with or without COVID-19 because the marketplace is changing at a Mach 10 speed. Yep. And so at the end of the day, Christopher, the first place that I see as a roadblock for people is the fear, especially if you're, you know, you've been in the workplace for a few decades is, you know, the, the mentality I hear a lot is, well, how the heck can I learn the new, you know, the market is a, is a young man's game or, you know, the, this world is a, is a young man's game uh, or, or young woman's game. You know, a lot of people have this self-esteem problem where they just don't feel confident enough to learn, confident enough to go into the workforce, confident enough to build a new business, confident enough to actually go out there and make an impact in today's market. Uh, maybe they were fantastic 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Maybe you know they ran yellow page ads in the late 90s and made a killing as a plumber, whatever the case may be. And now they're like, well, you know, my plumbing business is not doing so good, but you know, no one is reading yellow pages anymore. Just using that as a metaphor. Well, you've got to find a way to go online. You've got to find a way to to go uh, and get in front of where the eyeballs are. Maybe you start a podcast about plumbing. <laughs> and you specifically target your local area, you know, whatever the case may be, just using these as small, tiny examples to make a point, Christopher, that people need to adapt, need to have the self-esteem and the confidence to do it and, and need to make sure that that fear, you can feel the fear and you can do it anyway. You know, that's a fantastic book. I, I highly I recommend people read it and, and you feel the fear and you do it anyway. So if mm -hmm. you're in a position where you're hesitant, if you're in a position where you're hesitating to uh, and start your business, hesitating to learn a new skill, hesitating to really go back into the workforce, back into the market and make an impact. You got to feel the fear and you got to do it anyway. Susan Jeffers. I have the book sitting right up there. I have given that book to so many different people. Yeah, that's an amazing one. <clears throat> So shifting gears a little bit, I want to get your take on, because we've talked about leadership here and thank you for that answer. I love that. Um, yeah. I mean, just, I, I know some people that in their sixties right now, former corporate guys, and now they're doing lives and they're doing all sorts of things. They're like, man, this is kind of weird. But some of them said, I see you doing it, Chris. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you just, you just get out there and just like anything else is like riding a bike. I'm teaching my son how to ride a bike. You know, you get all over this place. You kind of get squirrely, you get back on, you figure it out, you get wobbly. And then you'll send you're doing wheelies, you know? Um, so in with with the talk of leadership during this the last 12 months who have been some really great examples of leadership in maybe the business sector you know publicly what have they done uh and perhaps maybe some of the the, the good leaders that have made bad decisions during this time just to kind of get a reflection of who's 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 risen to the floor of, of who you think is a good leader and who perhaps who was in that standing before but now has taken a step back based on how they've reacted uh, or responded during this time 
Well, I'll I'll say this um, because you and I both operate in the personal development arena with a lot of the work that we do. There's a lot of people that love talking about giving back that, you know, that love talking about helping others, that loved talking about, you know, humanity. And they just completely disappeared off the face of the earth. March, April, May, June. Like, where were you guys? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of people were kind of exposed this past year, and these are not even household names, but just people in, in, in that space where I'm not, you know, I don't have short-term memory, right? <laughs> I pay close attention. So I'm going to remember who disappeared off the face of the planet and um, who stepped up and stood up. I think a great example of somebody, and, you know, I know that a lot of people love his work and, and I've never attended any of his seminars, but, um, you know, I've read some of his work and just seeing what Tony Robbins did this past year. I mean, if you were not into Tony Robbins after this year, you probably should be seeing the way that he adapted and seeing the way that he stood for his truth and, and sharing the opinions that he shared, regardless of whether if they were popular or politically correct or not. But just being who he is, if you agree or disagree with some of the stuff that he says, you can't not deny that he embraces his own authenticity. And mm -hmm. so I think that he's a great example of somebody that stepped up, adapted, pivoted, and said, I don't care what's happening in the world. I'm still going to make my impact. And from my understanding, he's done several big events digitally that have affected millions of people. And so he's someone that really stepped up. He didn't just stay in his mansion and uh, eat ice cream, right? Yeah. Which a lot of big public figures, whether personal development or celebrities did for the last six, seven months. Like, where have you guys been? You guys were never hesitant to step up in front of a camera and do a press conference and talk about giving back to humanity. But when it got serious and there's an actual opportunity for you to do something, where were you? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I encourage people not to have short term memory. Who are the people that checked up on you? Who are the people that disappeared off the face of the planet? I know I'm not going to forget Christopher <laughs> and I hope mm -hmm. other people don't either. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and uh, so who was who were. Um... You know, when I think about Tony Robbins, I love the fact that uh, he gave away basically two different uh, uh, training packages. Like he did one last year. It was a live three-day event, I think it was, uh, a challenge. Then he just did another five-day challenge. And I watched part of it. Damn things were like two, three hours long. Uh, but just watching Tony and seeing how much he was giving back and pouring back into other people and making the goal this year, he's already fed millions of people through his through um, through his through his charitable contributions through um, feedinghungry.org. I think that's the one. I hope I get it right. Um, but uh, yeah, he was talking about feeding feeding over a billion people this year, and it all started with one dinner in, during Thanksgiving that you know it was brought to his family's house, and he's like, I'm going to do that, and he started just paying it back. Yeah, people like that standing up and saying, Hey, what can I do? You know, the thing that, that that's been disturbing for me. Mo is the people that you know with all these millions and billions of dollars and you are they taking care of their company their, their their employees what are they doing for them during these times and instead of you know taking a little bit of a hit on their bottom line for a little bit of time you know they immediately once the once the government subsidy ran out on payroll you're gone right yeah yeah what do you think about that well, I think that that's nothing new. I think that it's just under more of a microscope now, which is a good thing. But that mentality is nothing new, Christopher. I mean, uh, as far as the bottom line being the bottom line, that's something that we see quite a bit in corporate America and have for many, many decades. You can go to the 80s. That was happening every other weekend for, for you know, a, a company somewhere. But at the end of the day, that's why I encourage people to going back at the beginning of this conversation to focus on what Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote about in his essay called self-reliance, right? Because when you have self-reliance in your life, you're taking power. You're taking power of your life and putting it in your own hands. You're not counting on uh, a chain of individuals on providing you your livelihood every two weeks. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I know most of the people listening are still in that place in their life, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I would, again, encourage you to at least start thinking like an entrepreneur and plant those seeds, right? You may not quit your job tomorrow and start a business, but what you can do is start building that mindset. And what you can do is you can start planting those seeds and you can begin the gestation process. So eventually at some point, you do take full responsibility of your life, financially, mentally, relationally, spiritually, and physically. And then once you do that, Christopher, you are living a life that's truly wealthy. Going back to what we discussed earlier, where you're embracing well-being, right. and and you're you're living a life that's 
fulfilled and and fulfillment, not necessarily happiness, because there's a distinction between the two. You could be happy for 10 minutes and then sad, get a phone call and you're angry, right? Right. Sometimes I'm so happy and then someone calls me with some nonsense (laughs) and I'm not so happy, right? But I embrace all of it because I live a life focused on fulfillment. Bam. Which is, which is priceless. Priceless, yes. Yes, no, definitely. Fulfillment, gratitude are, are massively important in making sure that we have our we have our focus in the right spot, right? That's what I think about. So I'm um, just going to take a little station identification here. What's up? Robert is is writing his book as usual. Robert's got all sorts of comments coming up here. Let me see if you have any questions. By the way, guys, if you're just joining us, please uh, engage with us. If you have any questions for Mo or myself, put them here in the chat. We'll be happy to answer them. I'm going to scroll through here for a second, Mo. Um, looking back on your life, let me ask you this question while I'm doing that. Looking back on your life, what were, what was maybe one situation where you had a leader that, um, that taught you a major lesson in something that they did for you or to you in your perspective? Like it was either a negative situation or a positive situation. What was a leader as you were coming up through the ranks that really highlighted, uh, what you wanted to be in a leader or what maybe you didn't want to be? So my first job out of high school, Christopher was actually, um, working for a gentleman that ran for Congress. And at the time, I had, you know, begun developing my skills of, of marketing and social media marketing. At the time, social media was very, very, very new. And so I was hired to essentially run the social media arm of that campaign, fresh right out of high school. And I got a chance to spend time around somebody that was running for Congress, U.S. Congress. And so being part of that campaign showed me up close and personal what it means to have audacity. Because I got to learn the lesson of audacity at a very young age, right out of high school. Those, you know, between when college started, it took a few months. And, and, you know, there's a whole story about how I landed that job. And no, it was not an internship. It was actually a paid position as a full-time staffer on a political campaign. And uh, he didn't know that I was literally fresh out of high school. But that's a whole another story for a whole another day. But the point is, Christopher, when you think about what it takes for somebody to run for public office, you're putting yourself in a position saying, I am declaring that I have all the answers to the problems of society. Now, whether or not they do or don't, the point is that takes a certain level of audacity. It takes a, a tremendous amount of audacity, which I was able to witness up close and personal. When you're standing in a room of 300 people that are all looking to you to solve their problems in life. And I watched this and I'm like, wow. So that experience, Christopher, I think back, he was one of my first mentors in business and just having the audacity to say, you know what, I'm going to go out and make a difference. I'm going to go out and make it happen. I'm going to go out and step into the trenches and not worry about the scrutiny, not worry about the negativity, but just focus on what my purpose is. And so later on, many years later, after that experience, I realized what that was when I was reading Uh, the hierarchy of needs. And I was reading about a lot of that work. And of course, we've all seen the pyramid. But what's interesting is Maslow, he actually discussed that it's not the true self-actualized person, Christopher, according to Maslow, is not the person that's detached from the negative opinion of others. That's easy, right? We hear it all the time. Well, I don't listen to what the haters say, right? But what's interesting about the work of Maslow is that he said that the true self-actualized person is the individual that's detached from the positive opinion of others. And so I want to ask the question to the people watching. I know you probably ignore the haters, so to say, but are you attached when someone gives you a compliment? Are you attached when someone embraces your work? Because if so, you're still not self-actualized. So to truly be self-actualized and to truly embrace uh, your authenticity and what you're here to do and your purpose, you got to be detached from both of them. You see, Christopher, as much mm-hmm. as I love and I appreciate um, all the nice words that people might say to me, I don't get attached. And, you know, at the end of the day, because if you're detached from compliments as much as you're detached from insults, you're truly living your life. And that is freedom. That is not being attached to socialized mind. That is expressing who you authentically are. And what greater way to live life could there possibly be than to just embrace and express who you authentically are? Mm, I love that. I love that, obviously. 
<laughs> embrace who you authentically are. Yeah. That's been a journey for me big time, but you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right, Mo. It's the fact that <clears throat> when you can stand in your own space and you can feel confident and comfortable, whether you're standing in front of a couple of thousand people on stage and you don't really have anything planned on what you're going to say. And you can stand there and look around and go, what's up, everybody. Let's talk about, uh, Let's talk about our attitudes today and be able to just roll with that and roll with how it is that you present yourself and feel about yourself and enter into a situation, not having to worry about, okay, am I going to be right for this person? Am I going to be right for these people? Am I going to make these people happy? Am I going to make the people at home happy? Am I going to make the people and just walking out and just being in the moment and enjoying it with, for me, honestly, Mo, the biggest thing that has helped me is the sense of gratitude in the fact that I was always searching and looking for other things external to me to give me validation. You know, oh, did I get another speaking gig? Did I get another like on my uh, Instagram? You know, whatever it was, I was always seeking that external situation. Did I, can I buy this thing? Um, am I going to get this award? Whatever it might be. And it wasn't until I really started, really started paying attention to some people that my mentors were turning me on to that it, before I didn't quite care for. And then I was like, I remember somebody saying something that they said, you know what, if you can't be happy now in the situation that you're in, what makes you think that any more possessions are going to, are going to fill whatever that void is that void most likely is going to be some sort of psychological void that we've been carrying around for quite some time. Have you had any experience with that, with helping people with those psychological voids where they constantly look to the short-term gratifications to fill those? Well, the evidence is rampant. I mean, look, we all know people that have different voids in their life and they live their entire life unconsciously trying to fill these voids, not even realizing that that's what they're doing. And I think that's why it's really important for people to take time to do, to begin at the beginning and to really go to their childhood and do that inner work between zero and seven, much of who we are for the rest of our lives is kind of programmed. Um, and, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of neuroplasticity to change the way that our brain operates. Um, and so it requires a lot of inner work and, uh, and honest inner work. But there's absolutely so many people that just are living a life filled with a void. And that's a bottomless pit. And it's, it, it's a very sad place to be. I mean, whether it's for attention from other people, I know, you know, working in the industries that I've worked in, I've met a lot of celebrities, Christopher, and I'm friends with a lot of them. And many of them are very talented people that really want their art to be appreciated. And many of them are filling a void. And many of them are stuck in a bottomless pit. And they'll never get that that fixed. They'll never get that high taken care of, you know, because they're filling a void. They need attention from others. Or whether it's money, whatever the case may be, we can sit here and just list off things one after the other for the next hour. But make sure that whatever you're doing in life is not to fill a bottomless void. And also remember, there's no value in lying to yourself. You know, this takes courage, right? It takes courage to really, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell and the yep. and mythology and a lot of the work uh, of, of, you know, ancient Greece and, and a lot of the stories that Joseph Campbell introduced to the West. And we all have heard the stories of uh, the dragons being slayed. Well, I look at this like a metaphor, right? We all have our inner dragons and it takes courage to be that prince to slay those dragons. And, and you know, I, I look at much of Joseph Campbell and much of mythology as inner metaphors. And so are you slaying the dragons? Because in order to slay the dragons, you need to be that prince. You need to be that knight. You need to be that warrior. You need to go in there and do the necessary work. And once you slay the dragons, hey, you're free. You know, <laughs> oh, the, that's, that's the path to fulfillment. That's the path to your purpose. And so with that being said, Christopher, you know, we, we could talk so much about this for the next nine hours, but <laughs> going know. back to gratitude, you know, there's a reason the first chapter of my book lead by example, I start the book off with gratitude. That's the first chapter of my book. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, I would speak at different conferences that were very business orientated and people would be sitting in the front row with their pen and their pad and they want, you know, they're expecting something about their PNL sheet. And I start talking about gratitude. Right. And there's inevitably one guy that I would always see in the audience look at me like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I'm here to make more money. Why is this guy? How did this guy get on stage? And why is he talking about gratitude at a business conference? <laughs> and, you know, in, internally, I would laugh a little bit because I'm like, you just don't understand this. Because when you apply gratitude as a business owner, there is a tangible benefit that cannot be denied. Because suddenly, Every single thing, every decision that you make throughout the day 
is made from a position of gratitude, from a position of appreciation. This resonates with your employees. This resonates with your clients. This resonates with your team. This resonates with yourself. And ultimately, there's a compound effect. When you make choices with gratitude, there's a compound effect. And that compound effect is a positive outcome, right? And so operate with gratitude. It's not a pie in the sky when you die. It's something sound on the ground while we're around. In other words, it's very practical. It's very tangible. And you are going to see a 5X, a 10X, a 15X in the outcome of your life and business when you operate with gratitude. Boom, boom. Mo Rock in the house. Mo Rock in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, that that inspires me to share a story that taught me a very, very, very important lesson on many aspects. And I'll share it with you briefly. Uh, my, when my mom was uh, going through some rehabilitation for her hand, she had to go see a physical therapist. And so sometimes I would have to drive her to the physical therapist. And for the most part, I would stay inside. I would stay in my car and do stuff. And she would go in there and do her thing. And a couple of times I needed to go help her with the wheelchair or whatever. And when I went in there, I was surprised when the guy that was doing her physical therapy was also in a wheelchair as well. And he was a younger guy. And I watched him a few couple of times that I took her there, saw him spinning around, younger dude. And I could tell, because I have a friend of mine who's in a wheelchair, um, used to do the crazy board jumps and all that other stuff. Like, I'm like, dude, you don't, you can't even use your legs and you're fucking braver than I am. You know, it was all this crazy stuff. But me being a seeker of wisdom and truth from people, the actual sources, I said, I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? My mom was off going to the bathroom or something like that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I said, you know, what happened? And I just, blurted out. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, oh man, it was a surfing accident. And I said, oh, he goes, I said, really? I said, funny. I said, not funny, but I know somebody else who had a surfing accident. He goes, yeah. He goes, basically uh, the surfboard got away from him and came back and nailed him in the back of the neck. And basically when he washed up ashore, he couldn't feel his legs anymore. And I said, wow. I said, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. And I said, what was your biggest learning lesson out of that? And he said, you know, he goes, honestly, he goes, my biggest learning lesson is I used to complain about so much stuff that I would give anything to be able to do now. And he, and he brought up one that was so important to me, Mo. He said, he goes, Chris, um, he used to, he said, I used to sit in traffic all the time and he goes, and I would sit there and bitch piss and moan about the traffic and everything else. He goes, you know what? I would give everything I own. He goes, I have a normal life. I play tennis. I have a van. I still, I still go to the beach. I'm still, I still live my life. He goes, but I would give everything I have right now to be able to feel my foot on a brake pedal sitting in traffic. And that most stuck with me. I just sat there and I remember, I remember just looking at him going, and normally I'm not a loss for words whatsoever. And I just looked at him like, I just said, thank you so much for sharing that story with me. I said, that is going to impact my life and so many other lives. And anytime I've been on stage or anytime somebody has said, you know, what's gratitude? I'm like, let me just talk to you about that. And I have so many other stories to tell about that, about shifting the perspective and putting ourselves in a spot that normally we wouldn't think about in order to have that sense of like, wow, I have electricity. I have running water. I tell people all the time. I said, you go into a room in your house and turn a silver faucet and fucking hot water comes out of the wall. Yeah, that's pretty cool, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, that's just my two bits about about gratitude. But, uh, um, in, in kind of kind of thinking about COVID and leadership, and so many people are working remotely right now. Where do you see that? Do you see that trend continuing, or do you see people returning back to the workspace? And in that, what type of leadership is going to have to pivot in? welcoming those people back. You know, you're going to have some of the people that are like, Hey, I didn't think it existed. I'm ready to go back. It's no big deal. You know, you and your mask, whatever. And you're going to have the people that have been inside literally for the last six months because they've been paralyzed of COVID. Why do you think that's going to, how do you think leadership's going to have to adapt to that? Well, to answer your question, I don't think it's going to fully go back to the way that it was. I think that many companies are going to adapt a hybrid situation and many companies are going to start hiring people internationally because what this has shown, um, particularly for positions that are not necessarily needed to be hands-on, is you can replace uh, a lot of people that are hired in the U.S. under U.S. labor laws with you know, international uh, people that can do the same exact job. And so, you know, a lot of people, a lot of corporations in the United States, historically, the last 20, 30, 40 years have been bringing people in via visas from countries like India to fill their workforce. Well, that actually is going to no longer be necessary because you can simply hire the guy in India as an example. And so consequently, I think that there's going to be a substantial number of um, companies in the United States that will simply hire overseas. And uh, because now it's become proven, now in the last year, there's a lot of 
testing. There's a lot of probing. There's a lot of data. There are a lot of data points about, you know, working from home. And so sadly, like I said, it's not going to be a situation where um, it's going to get any easier for people, but you need to step up. Don't wish for things to be easier. Work on getting stronger. You know, a lot of times people talk to me, oh, I wish it, this didn't happen. I wish that I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't talk to me about things being easier. You want to have a conversation with me? I would love to have one with you. But let's talk about what we need to do for you to get stronger. Because if you want to talk about wishing things to be easier, there's another human being on this planet that'll that'll spend time to talk to you. I'm not interested. But if you want to have a conversation with somebody about steps necessary to get tougher, to get stronger, to deal with the reality, I'll spend as much time necessary that I can spend to help you get there because that's what the world needs. The world needs more resiliency, more strength, more adaptability. The world doesn't need any more complainers. I'm tired of people complaining, Christopher. Mm -hmm. I want people to go out there and make a difference. Bam. Mic drop. Remember? Mic drop. <laughs> My little microphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Robert says, uh, but nothing amazing never came easy. Yes, absolutely. I was thinking when you were, we were talking, Mo, I was thinking about the great Les Brown. And he says, uh, doing life what's hard and your life will be easy. You're doing life what's easy and life will be hard. Mr. Les That's Brown, amazing. baby. Yes. Darlene, Darlene, our awesome Darlene says, you guys are awesome tonight. Thank you for your time, Mo and Chris. Thank you, Darlene, for always being here. You are brilliant. Robert, you guys are all, all super, super brilliant. We love you guys. I saw something about Joe Ingram in here. You know a Joe Ingram, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. The, the, the Joe Ingram. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you, Darlene. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. Let us know if you have any questions. I know that uh, sometimes we have a bunch of questions and, uh, and, uh, Oh, gotcha. Um, cool. So um, final thoughts. So you have a microphone to the world right now, Mo. What do you say to the future leaders of America, the, the youth of America who might be watching this down the road a little bit? What message do you have for them to, to bring the world into where we need to be as far as humanity? <laughs> How much time do I have, Christopher? A message to humanity. 30 I don't know. seconds, 30 minutes. But I'm no, gonna I'm going to see how long you could talk while you squirm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I oh, got it. Got it. That's a good one. Inside joke there. But, um, but no, you know, the thing is, Christopher, at the end of the day, you know, being focused on a holistic approach to leadership, which means specifically having gratitude as the foundational component of how you lead your life and how you, how you lead your business. Everything else will change in your life. Every single element of your life, financially, mentally physically, relationally, and spiritually when you become gratitude-centric. Because how could you possibly be a victim if you're operating with gratitude? How can you possibly blame other people for the, the results of your own damn life if you're operating from gratitude? How can you be up at night with thoughts about how the world is out to get you when you have gratitude? How can you be mad at an employee or mad at an employer when you have gratitude? It's an impossibility, right? There's going to be cognitive dissidence if you even try. So be gratitude centric, make gratitude the foundation of your thought process and everything else, you know, like they say in Reaganomics, there'll be a trickle down effect throughout to all other elements of your life once you have that as the foundation. So that's my Bam. message. Thank you, Mo. Where can people get a hold of you? Where can they get your book? We're gonna get more of Mo. Well, the audiobook will be available on Audible next month. So people can check it out then. As of now, Christopher, you can find me on social media on Instagram at Mo Rock Loves You. Mo Rock Loves You, ladies and gentlemen. Mo, we have been going for 48 minutes, brother. Thank you so much for being here on the Ron and Scripted Show and just being who you are. I truly am just having a good, great time just getting to know you and supporting you and uh, diving into conversations. We could totally go in so many different ways. I love where your perspectives are at, where your heart is at. Um, where your mission is at in the fact of making the world a better place, making it a more cohesive place, making it, making people more resilient. Um, thank you brother for that. I'm going to stick you backstage for a second. I'm going to say something to close out the show and then we'll wrap up back there and uh, I will be right there. So thank you guys. Make sure you, you connect with Mr. Mo. Um, so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the raw and unscripted show with yours truly Christopher Roush and our special guest tonight, Mr. Mo rock. Uh, we delve into different aspects of the communication as far as it goes into leadership, being resilient, 
right? You guys hear me talk all the time about victim versus victor. And I love how Mo brought up the, the, the topic of resiliency. That's something we haven't, an aspect we haven't talked about, but it's the same aspect of being unstoppable. It's like, you guys have more within you than you absolutely could ever even imagine. You know, again, I've told you guys, go watch David Goggins for a couple of hours, just watch different YouTube videos and watch what's in his mindset. Watch how he pushes himself. Go look at James, the Iron Man cowboy, go look at Jesse Itzler, go look at these people who have put themselves in phenomenal situations to figure out what their best is. Right? So the question I have for you guys out there, speaking of resiliency, speaking of pivoting, speaking about everything that Mo shared with us tonight about how the normal is going to be constantly changing and how we are going at, you know, 10 X speed, as far as technology evolving and everything that's going to be happening. What is it that you're going to do to, to bring out your best, right? When you think about your best, what is your best? When you get to the end, get to the end of the day, do you go, Oh, I did the best I could. You know, if you did the best you could, then how do you quantify that? And how do you quantify what better is? I think of it in terms like this. If somebody said, Chris, I need you to raise $10,000 by the end of this week, or I'm going to kill your son. That's leverage. That's enough of my why. I'm going to figure out the how I'm going to do it. That's going to be my best, right? Because if somebody sat there and said, go raise it and didn't have any leverage on it, but then once they put the leverage in there, then I realize what my best is. Then all of a sudden the limitations and the barriers and the things, the, the preconceived notions and the self-limiting beliefs that we put in our brain immediately evacuate our brain because now we have to become a thousand percent resourceful. And that's when we find our best. And I'm not telling you to have these sick, morbid thoughts, but for me, it helps me figuring out what my best is both mentally, physically, and spiritually and being alive every single day as Mo had so eloquently said, and you guys have heard me talk about a thousand times gratitude, right? Here's a simple three-part exercise that you guys can do every single day. It takes less than a minute before you wake up, before you, I mean, well, you have to wake up before your eyes open, stay with me, uh, before your eyes open gratitude. I'm grateful for the sheets. I'm grateful. I have a heater. I'm grateful for the alarm clock. I, I'm grateful. I get to go up and have a job. I'm grateful. I have a business to go to. I'm grateful that my son's in the room sleeping. What is it that you're grateful for? So oftentimes we get up and what do we do? We pick this fucking thing up and we go, Oh, what's going on? Where am I? And then we just like go into go mode right? So number one, wake up. What are you grateful for? Number two, what are your intentions for the day? What is your intention for the day? If your intention to, for the day is to be a bitchy prick, go back to sleep and figure it out again. So set your intentions, have five to seven intentions. My intention every single day is to be present and playful with my son. Every single day. My intention today is to be present, and playful with my son. My intention today is to serve humanity and be an excellent source of motivation, inspiration, and whatever else I can spew out of my mouth to keep people positive. What is my, my intention today? My intention is to attract people in my life that are going to help me elevate to the position I can do so I can help more people. What are your intentions? All within a minute. And then get up and go pursue those intentions with massive energy, massive passion, have accountability partners, get people in your lane and become resilient guys, because otherwise you're going to find yourself in three, five, 10 years with a thing you've seen me post most about, which is regrets. And I don't want you, any of you guys to have regrets. This is a pivotal time in our life. You guys have heard me talk about clubhouse. You guys have heard me talk about pivoting and getting in there and making relationships and, and networking. This is the time for you guys to do it. It's not supposed to be about anything else that you, that you, uh, that you, uh, otherwise think is going to return back to normal. Sorry guys. I just saw that my buddy Scott says bitchy prick, ladies and gentlemen, that's what this show's about. Don't be a bitchy prick. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate for being here. Uh, what's up buddy? Yes. Hey, so ladies and gentlemen, that's our show tonight. This is the raw and scripted show. We had Mo rock on here. Please go connect with them and, uh, Connect with us again Friday night on the Unfiltered Show, uh, the Unfiltered Experience. We're going to have uh, a couple of people on. We're talking about the compassion games. Think about that, the compassion games. Let's talk about that. So you know where to find me Friday night, the Unfiltered Experience with my buddy Scott. And uh, oh, we got Lynn Serrano in here. I'm going to be on Lynn's show tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So tune into that too. What's up, Lynn? Great to see you. All right, we're going to uh, tune out now. You guys stay classy. You guys stay kick-ass. And most of all, stay unstoppable and don't be a bitchy prick.